We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. And I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm serving here as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. And I'm not serving anybody. I am retired. Retired. (laughs) (laughs) This, This is, by the way... Wrestling, wrestling with the basics. With the basics. <laughs> Matt, you know, our, we're all about truth, isn't it? That's, I would say that would, could be our banner for Wrestling with the Basics. We're all about truth. That's what we're looking for. Yes. So I, I want to I correct something. Okay. I think that I, I just found this out this last week, and I have proof, evidence of what I'm about to say is the truth. Have you ever heard anyone say that they hoped for a really bad winter because maybe that would kill out some of the insects? Oh, yeah, have yeah. Heard kill the germs, kill the insects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, that that's a bunch of baloney. And you know how I know? How do you know, John? <laughs> well, because, you know, we're up in Minnesota now half the year, uh, and it gets really, really cold. If you're looking for bad winters, this is the place you want to come and live. <laughs> a couple of years ago, negative 30 degrees. Oh, and that's my goodness. without the wind chill. Oh, okay. John. Six foot of snow on the ground, all right? So that's what it was last winter. And guess what we have this summer in Minnesota, Matt? What do you have? Mosquitoes, bugs. Oh, man, they are just thick. They are thick. In fact, they are big. They're healthy. They are the state bird, they tell me. Oh, (laughs) mosquito. So, So I think that's plenty of evidence. No, if cold weather kills off, uh, insects, then then this would be a great place to spend the summer. Well, it's a great place temperature-wise, but not so much when it comes to bugs and insects. I, I'm covered with mosquito bites. Oh, that's, the bird, that's how it is. bird-sized mosquitoes. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Our, uh, Elisa always gets bit, my wife, you know, and they, they don't seem to bother me too much, but she, I mean, we'll go outside for 10 minutes around dusk and she'll just be covered with welts <laughs> from the mosquito bites. <laughs> So well, maybe because smelling to me, I guess I don't know. My my wife has the same complaint that they they but I don't they bite me too, but maybe not as bad as they bite her. So anyway, as we as we seek to bring the truth to people, no, 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 the the harsh winters aren't going to do anything about the bugs. Trust me, <laughs> just come up and live in Minnesota for a while. Yeah, and you'll, yeah. You'll the, the uh, you're not working for the Minnesota Tourism Bureau, are you, John? No, no, no. Not, <laughs> the winters are uh, terrible. The summers, oh, sorry, mosquitoes. mosquitoes. <laughs> But what do you want? You got 10,000 lakes, and you know the mosquitoes love to breed in the water. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. 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 Well, Matt, we, we've been talking. We've been talking about uh, uh, Jeremiah and the Old Testament, and, and I want to do an Old Testament story. All right. Uh, this morning, we could too. Although I want to preface it with the New Testament story we did uh, a few weeks ago of Zacchaeus. Uh, and if you remember, Matt, uh, we talked about how the Gospel of Luke tells us what, what does Luke tell us about rich people? What, what's Luke's theme about rich people? Well, it doesn't usually turn out too well for him. Uh, you got a rich man and Lazarus, and the, the rich man, apart from faith, is, ends up in hell. Uh, you got the guy that builds bigger barns for himself, right? And his life is demanded of him. 
you got the, the the Song of Mary, the Magnificat, where the the rich are sent away empty. I believe is the word. So it yes, yeah. not too well. And then, of course, the classic parable: it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a oh. needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that, of course, is what makes the story of Zacchaeus so wonderful, because Zacchaeus is a rich man. In fact, Zacchaeus is a sinful rich man. He is a tax collector. He got his riches by uh, cheating people, uh, and yet in the end, he is saved. And, and, of course, we talked about the reason he is saved is because he has Jesus, and that's the whole point of the Gospel of Luke. It is really hard to be saved. It's hard for anybody to be saved because we're all sinners. But that's the whole point. When you have Jesus Christ, even the man for whom it would be impossible to be saved, the man for whom it would be like going through an eye of a needle to get into heaven, though even that man can be saved because Christ is capable of saving all, even the worst of sinners, and so if there's anybody listening to us who's burdened with a guilty conscience, or maybe they've got doubts because they've got all kinds of struggles and trials, and they're wondering, can God really love me? And the answer is yes. In Jesus Christ, of course he loves you. And if you have any doubt about that, this is why Matt and I are here today. I am speaking for the Lord right now, just like Jeremiah did the last couple of weeks. I am giving you the word of the Lord. God loves, God forgives you in Jesus Christ. If that's not enough for you, might you go be baptized? Because there again in the baptism, it is said that our sins are forgiven and we have the Holy Spirit. Our sins are washed away. We're born again, just beautiful promise after beautiful promise. And if that's not enough for you, well then go to church and take the Lord's Supper and let Jesus himself say to you, this is my body and my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. I was thinking, Matt, of course, in the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus comes up and calls him by name. And it dawned on me, Jesus Christ has done the exact same thing to you and me and all of our listeners. And it's exciting to know that in our show here, we're, we're just doing that. We're letting people know that God loves them and that Jesus forgives them. But here's the thing. So, so two of the guys, two of the rich guys, they didn't have Jesus at all. So there's no hope. If there's no Jesus, there's no hope. But, you know, the third rich man did have Jesus. Remember, he came up to Jesus, uh, and yet he leaves Jesus. He goes away sad from Jesus. And so my question is, what was the difference between that rich man and the rich man Zacchaeus, uh, to whom salvation came? into his house. And I think I have an Old Testament story that can answer that question. All right, Matt? All right. Sounds good. Okay. I want to talk about two kings, okay. both of whom were sinners, both of whom should not have been saved, uh, but one was and the other wasn't. Okay. So could you start by reading? Uh, well, could you just review the, to the people, Matt, real quick? Because this is a familiar story. Uh, you talked about some of the familiar stories of Jeremiah. Uh, and so here's the familiar. What 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 did David do? What what sinful, horrible thing that David do? Okay, so yeah, the biggie there in uh, one of the biggies, but the one that yeah. we're maybe most familiar with, Second Samuel chapter eleven. Um, yeah, David and Bathsheba. So that whole episode where uh, David is king and uh, his army goes out to fight, but David doesn't go with them. Instead, he stays home in the palace and he sees uh, Bathsheba who's bathing on the roof. 
Uh, not trying to show herself off, but just that's just where you would bathe and even to try to be modest, perhaps. To, so no one else You bathe on the roof, Matt. Now, wait a second. <laughs> Let's get this clarified. <laughs> you know, the, the only people, you know, that, you know, built on the hill there of, of Jerusalem and at the top of the hill is the king. And if yeah. you can't trust the king, who can you trust? Yeah, the Lord's anointed for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> but no, I do not bathe on the roof, John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so David, you know, the Lord's anointed. You don't bathe on your front yard either, do you? No, I, I just want to make sure this is clarified. Okay, all Sometimes right. Sometimes I do just turn on the sprinkler and stand outside. Though. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you got your swim trunks on, that's right. okay. That's right. All right. Um, so anyway, David uh, lusts after her, um, sleeps with her, uh, and Bathsheba becomes pregnant. Uh, yeah, Bathsheba's husband is, is not an Israelite. He's a Hittite by the name of Uriah. He fights in the Lord's army. Uh, seems like a pretty faithful guy. Yeah. Um, you know, David tries twice to, to get him to come home and to, to sleep with his wife to kind of cover up his tracks and uh, kind of cover up who this child belongs to, who the father is. Uh, it doesn't work because Uriah is a, a good guy. He's, he's faithful to the Lord, it seems, uh, faithful to the king even. And even though he has every right to go home to his wife, he chooses not to. Faithful to his own soldiers as well. Yeah, yeah right. Because you know, I can't. How can I pleasure myself when my men are out fighting, risking their lives? Yeah. yeah. And his name Uriah. I forget off the top of my head what the name Uriah means, but it's 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 a good name about the Lord. And it seems as though this this guy who's not an Israelite, who's a Hittite, has even adopted this name to show that hey, he's a follower of Yahweh, a follower of the Lord. So you know, Uriah. You know, is this this outsider, you know, that you would expect to do the wrong thing and he does what's right and God pleasing where David, he's he's the king for crying out loud. God's chosen and he does the wrong thing throughout this story. Uh, anyway, uh, David gets desperate. He sends a note to his, his general to put uh, Uriah out where the fighting is the worst in the next battle and then pull back uh, and let Uriah get killed. So, I mean, David basically murders Uriah um, and then David. Um, you know, David then takes in Bathsheba as his wife, and uh, she eventually gives birth. But I, I think it's interesting, you know, David, to everyone else, he might look like a pretty good guy. Uh, yeah, his, taking care of his soldier's yeah, wife. and exactly, yeah, taking in a war widow. What a great guy. Um, and the, the king is really thoughtful, isn't he? And everyone thinks, perhaps... Uh, that, that, you know, that David is, is just a good guy, an upright guy. Looks like he's got off scot-free, but, uh, you know, the Lord knows, right? The Lord knows what David's been up to and how this initial sin of lust really just snowballed uh, into a breaking of all sorts of commandments from the Lord. And so finally, the prophet Nathan comes and confronts David. Uh, and, and I want to pick that story up at verse 13. So the prophet Nathan has come and, and essentially said, hey, David, you're the man. You're not fooling anybody. As you said, the Lord knows that you've committed murder and adultery. And here is David's response. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Yeah. So David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Keep on reading. Okay. I get to the end of uh, Yeah. So, so far, that sounds verse. pretty good, doesn't it? John? It is. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Verse 14, though. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. 
So, so again, what we're trying to do is, what's the difference between these rich men whom Jesus cannot help and Zacchaeus, who Jesus can help? And, and I think one of the key differences is, is right here, Nathan confesses his sin. He doesn't try to, well, he had tried to hide it, doesn't it? It wasn't that he wasn't trying to hide it. But but here, confronted by the word of the Lord, he acknowledges, he confesses, I've sinned. Uh, and, you know, Zacchaeus, how, how does Zacchaeus make his confession, though? It's kind of interesting how he makes his confession. Matt, you, you know what I'm talking about? Zacchaeus? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's going to, well, part of it is he's going to give back what he's taken uh, unlawfully. Yeah, so he says, yeah, I, I acknowledge I've cheated these people. In fact, I want to pay them back four times. Okay, so we have this repentance. Uh, of course, see, there's still the consequence of sin. I, I think people need to realize that, that while it's important that we acknowledge our sin, it doesn't mean that we get off the hook, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, of course, I guess that shows whether it's real repentance or not, because I'm sure a lot of times our kids repented of the things they did wrong, but it was only because they hoped then we wouldn't punish them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really more uh, about, a, you know, you're upset that you got caught, not so much contrite about <laughs> what you did, you know. Exactly. Uh, but that's, no, no, no. The, the, the child, this, this uh, child is going to die. The consequence of his adulterous relationship will die. But I think it's also how David responds to that fact that the child is going to die. So if you could keep reading uh, from verse 15 on, and I'll stop you when I need sure. to stop you, okay? Yeah. But, you know, I, just real quick, John, I, I yeah, wish, sure. you, know, you, you kind of say a confession absolution, and uh, I, you just wish David would have done that earlier. You know, if he would yes. have just, after he looked at Bathsheba, taken that bath, you know, for him to say, oh, well, Lord, I'm sorry for that. And and yeah. receive forgiveness, but instead, no, you know, it snowballs and gets worse and worse. Anyway, um, and, and you know, in the Psalms, he talks about that how he's tortured by that. His bones, I think, even ache. He says because he wouldn't confess, because he wouldn't repent. But yeah. but all right, he's repented, and and the and the punishment has fallen upon him. The child will die. Uh, and keep on reading, then, Matt. Okay. And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. Isn't that interesting? She's not even called by name. Uriah's yeah. wife um, bore to David, and he became sick. Uh, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of the house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do something to harm himself. But when David saw that the servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said to him, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me and the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. 
And, and I would suggest to you what we see on David's part is this faith, this faith that even though we know we're sinners, even though we know we deserve God's punishment, and we most certainly will get it, and yet we still believe that the Lord can be gracious and the Lord will be merciful. Yeah. And, and so I know I'm a sinner, and I, I, I got some really profound uh, uh, reminder of that when I had my heart attack a few months ago. Uh, that was a life and death thing, and, and, and it should have been death. I understand that. That's going to be the consequence. I'm a sinner. The wages of sin is death. And yet with David, I've got this faith that God can be gracious uh, and God can forgive. And, and God was gracious to me. And I know even when I die, God will be gracious and give me eternal life. Um, but once the child is dead, well, then that's it. And the consequences of sin have fallen upon us. We don't lose our faith. We don't lose our hope because we hope that, uh, uh, I'm not going to, he's not going to return to me. David says, I I know he's not going to live in this world again, but I will go to him. See, I know that I'll have eternal life too. Uh, at least I'd like to put that positive spin on what David says there. I shall go to him. But now let's contrast it with another king, King Jeroboam. Uh, the first king, you, you told us a couple of weeks ago about how there was a civil war in Israel and they divided into Israel and Judah. Well, this yeah. is the king. This is the king of Israel. So first Kings chapter 13. Okay. First Kings chapter 13. Very good. Yeah. One of the, just that, that whole account with David, I love to, you know, if our listener has time to look it up, um, how he writes Psalm 51 then. Uh, and it, I love how it says, you know, after Nathan comes to David, you know, he writes that psalm in the context of everything that takes place with that episode with Bathsheba and the news that he is forgiven and yet the child will die. Uh, so it's, it's kind of neat to hear what's in David's heart. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a beautiful, world. beautiful yeah. psalm. And, and a reminder, we can say, I am a sinner. I know I'm going to die for my sins, but I still hope in the Lord because he is the God of steadfast love, of graciousness and forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so verse 33 of 1 okay. Kings 13. Okay, uh, verse 33. Okay. Uh, After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. So we got another king. And again, he's also sinned. His particular sin is he's uh, not worshiping the true God. In fact, he's taken other people and making them priests. Uh, um, and 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 the punishment, a discipline, as you've talked about a few weeks ago, falls upon him. If you would read chapter 14, uh, well, just read verse 1. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. All right, so I'm just saying we've got parallel situations. David sinned, his child was struck ill. Jeroboam sins, his child is struck ill. But look at the difference between Jeroboam and David, uh, how how he handles this situation. You want to read verses, I guess, two through three. Okay, and Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise and disguise yourself, that that it may not be known that you are the wife of Jeroboam, and go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahijah, the prophet, is there, who said of me that I should be king over this people. Take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what shall happen to the child. All right. So what's going on here? What's what's Jeroboam want his wife to do? 
Well, he wants some answers, and uh, he's going to send his wife in disguise, incognito, uh, to go uh, to inquire of the prophet. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with this child? So, so admittedly, David was hiding his sin. We're, we're not ignoring that. Uh, the prophet comes, though, and, and exposes David. All right, David, you're not fooling anybody. God knows your sin. We got the same thing going on here with Jeroboam. He thinks he can kind of disguise his sin. But we won't. Don't tell him that you're my wife, because right away he'll know that I'm the the evil king. But you just go and and pretend you're someone else. Of course, as it is with the prophet Nathan, it's going to be so with Jeroboam. Uh, no, no one's going to be able to hide uh, themselves from God. Read, read verse. Uh, Four and uh, five, I think. Yeah. Okay. Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. Now Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were dim because of his age. And the Lord said to Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you concerning her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shall you say to her, uh, and so, she, so, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Okay. When she came, she pretended to be another woman. But a high. And, and I did, go ahead. I, I just think it's cute because the Bible's pointing out it was it that Ahijah uh, recognized her? No. He, he was old. He couldn't even see. Yeah. But again, it was the Lord who recognized her and the Lord who knew what was going on. So keep on reading at verse six. Yeah. But when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. <laughs> Why do you pretend to be another? For I am charged with unbearable news for you. Uh, go and tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. And yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart, doing only that which was right in my eyes. But you have done evil above all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and metal images provoking me to anger and have cast me behind your back. All right, for time's sake, Matt, we're going to have to jump down a little bit further. Jump down to verse 12. Okay. Arise, therefore, go to your house. When your feet enter the city, your child shall die. And all of Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. For he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something pleasing to the Lord, the God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. All right. So again, the same curse that fell upon David. Uh, the child is going to die. In fact, when you enter the city, that at that very moment, the child will die. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, go ahead and if you could read uh, verse 17, the kind of the conclusion of the story. Okay. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. And as she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. And all Israel buried him and mourned for him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Ahijah, the prophet. Now, what was the difference in the way David responded and the way Jeroboam's wife responds? It's a sad thing. It's an unbearable message. The prophet says, yes, you've sinned and the child's going to die. But what was the difference in their responses, Matt? Well, you know, with David, you have uh, repentance. Um, yes. You have him and then not only repentance, but um, then that that crying out to the Lord, the, the putting on the sackcloth and ashes and uh, fasting and trusting that God can be gracious and is gracious and looking 
or his mercy in this case to be shown. So it's simply that, David, like you said, he repents of his sin. He still trusts the Lord. He turns to the Lord. He prays the Lord. And yet uh, Jeroboam's wife simply arises and does what? No, she just walks home, <laughs> goes yep. in the house, and God's word is fulfilled. The child dies. He really doesn't, that we can see, cry out to the Lord or trust in the Lord at all. Yeah, and I'm thinking, why did she just not stay away from the city? You know, if I was in her situation and I knew when I returned, the child would die, I just wouldn't return, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I would just trust and pray that the Lord would would deliver. But of course, she doesn't do that. And, and that's the difference, people. Jesus makes all the difference in the world, but 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 if you if you turn from Jesus as the rich man did, if you don't if you don't pray to Jesus, if you don't repent, what can the Lord do? Well, we're out of time, Matt. This has been wrestling wrestling with the basics. With the basics.